This podcast is intended as general information only and is not to be relied upon as legal, financial, or professional advice. A professional advisor should be consulted regarding your specific situation. It is also not an offer to sell or purchase Edgepoint Investment Funds. Fixed income has always been part of the average investor's portfolio. North America is aging, and many believe that as people get older, their allocation of fixed income should increase accordingly. This premise is founded on sound rationale, as older people typically need more income production from their investments and hope to build a portfolio that's less volatile. Historically, this approach has worked well, but does that mean it will work going forward? Just because an investor demands income and lower risk doesn't mean the market will provide it for them. Now could be a good time to start questioning conventional wisdom. After all, we're in the midst of an unprecedented time in most fixed income markets, and the meager yields available today are materially different from what investors have seen before. Although investors need income, it's become much tougher to find. For decades, investors have loved balanced portfolios with the classic 60-40 split, as these balanced portfolios typically produce pleasing returns with less volatility than an all-equity portfolio. Everyone understands why the 60% equity allocation performed well over time, but most take for granted the fact that their fixed income allocation has also done very well. The average annual return for holding a 10-year government bond from 1970 to 2019 has been almost 7%. Now that's a great return for your less risky part of a balanced portfolio. Now history is a great starting point, but what every investor cares about today is the future. How are they going to compound their wealth in the years to come, and can they expect a similar outcome to the past? Well, unfortunately, repeating the same pleasing returns looks close to impossible. Your starting point is simply very different today compared to any other time in modern history. Over the last 30 years, all countries in the developed world have displayed an eerily similar downward trend where rates have consistently moved lower. In September of 1990, yields on 10-year treasuries in most developed markets were between 8 and 12%. Today, they yield a half a percent at best, and some are even in negative territory. This has provided a tailwind to bond returns for an entire generation of investors. As interest rates went lower, bond prices have risen, providing a significant source of return for most fixed income asset classes. At my first job, I remember listening to a conversation between two traders who were snickering at the paltry 2% yields offered by 10-year Japanese JGBs. That seems like a lifetime ago, and today such a yield is impossible to find in developed government bond markets. Investors need to come to grips with the fact that the income production of a traditional fixed income portfolio is now lower than most would have thought is even possible. Extending the view past government bonds and looking at the Canadian Broad Market Fixed Income Index shows a similar trend. The 20-year return of 5.6% has been a rock in many Canadian investors' portfolio, but today that yield is only 1.2%. That's better than a 10-year government bond yield only 60 basis points, but nowhere near the long-term profile that investors have come to expect and need in their retirement portfolios. Investors must ask themselves if they can afford to compound a material part of their portfolio at a mere 1.2%. That yield seems unlikely to even keep pace with most people's personal inflation rates. Now, there are other reasons to own fixed income beyond income production. Historically, it's provided an important source of diversification that's helped offset periods of decline in the equity markets. When we experience declines in the equity markets, government bonds often increased in price. Since September of 2000, there have been six declines in the S&P 500 greater than 15%, two of those being almost 50%. And during all these periods of decline, 
10-year Treasury bonds had a positive return. This provided stability to a portfolio and even offered a powerful source of capital for investors, allowing them to increase their allocation to equity at more attractive valuations. But although the strategies worked in the past, now is a great time to ask, will it work in the future? Yields are much lower, prices are much higher, and there is evidence that the price appreciation from government bonds may already be at their upper limit. Looking back at how equity and fixed income markets behaved during the onset of COVID provides an interesting case study of how old paradigms can be challenged when rates begin at a yield that's close to zero. GMO is a well-respected asset manager that often creates thought-provoking investment material. GMO's chart, which we provide in the commentary on our website, should be of interest to all investors. Uncertainty was high at the onset of global pandemic, and as expected, equity markets sold off. What was unexpected, and what the chart shows, is how bonds reacted in geographies that already had low interest rates. Rather than increase in price like they have historically, 10-year bonds in Sweden, Japan, Germany, and Switzerland actually declined in price. So much for that diversification. The trend in this GMO chart is clear. Geographies with lower interest rates saw lower diversification benefits. Countries like Canada and the U.S. still saw some benefit, albeit less than history has shown, but interest rates now are much lower in both countries than they were in the spring. Will this mute any potential future price appreciation if we see more volatility in the equity market? Only time will tell, but this September, the S&P 500 had a peak to trough decline of almost 10%, and over that time period, 10-year government bonds actually fell in price yet again failing to live up to its reputation as a source of stability and diversification. Investors have become accustomed to fixed income markets that have in general only increased in price over long periods of time. Is now the time to ask what happens if this trend reverses? We already showed the tailwind that we've experienced from declining rates around the globe. Do investors understand that a reversal of this trend now becomes a headwind for future returns? Not only have your prospective returns now fallen if you own something that resembles the Canadian Broadway Market Index, but your interest rate risk for owning these assets has also increased and is now close to an all-time high. Even strong believers in low interest rates need to question what happens if they're wrong. There are no certainties in this world, and betting that historically low rates stay low forever is far from a sure thing. Less than a year ago, 10-year rates in Canada were 100 basis points higher. Is it so crazy to think that they could go back to that level any time over your investment horizon? An increase in interest rates means declining bond prices, further inhibiting the ability of the average investor to compound their wealth. So if you begin to challenge the historic reasons for owning fixed income, should you also challenge how you're invested in the space? It's unlikely that most investors can handle the volatility of a portfolio that's 100% equities, even if the long-term return potential may be appealing. In fact, industry data shows that the average Canadian wants to own fixed income in some form, and roughly 68% of mutual fund assets are invested in portfolios that aren't exclusive to equities, with balanced funds being the largest. These balanced funds are chock-full of low-yielding, long-duration bonds. This is exactly the type of investment that we believe offers little in the way of income generation, may no longer be the diversifier it once was, and is now subject to material risk should interest rates rise. Is that what the average investor needs today? And will that help them achieve their financial goals? The answer seems pretty obvious. We believe that corporate bonds are a more attractive alternative today and have constructed a portfolio that's focused on this segment of the market. 
The extreme volatility that we experienced this year gave us an opportunity to invest in both investment-grade and high-yield bonds at spreads that we believe are highly attractive, especially when considering the alternatives available. This allowed us to create a portfolio with a yield of almost 4%, which is significantly higher than our benchmark of only 1.2, and done with much less interest rate risk. The Edgepoint Global Growth and Income Portfolio has a duration of less than 2.5 versus an index whose duration is 8.7. The duration is a measure of risk and measures the sensitivity of the price of a bond to its change in interest rates. The higher the duration, the more sensitive the bond is. Now, there's no free lunch in capital markets, and to generate anything over 20 basis points, which is what you earn owning a T-bill, you need to take some form of risk. We chose to take credit risk because we have a skill set in analyzing that type of risk. The Edgepoint investment approach is focused on analyzing businesses, and we believe that we have an aptitude for determining what drives a business, understanding its competitive advantages, and judging its ability to service its obligations. This has provided investors with pleasing returns since inception. While our path to those pleasing returns may not always be smooth, periods of volatility have enabled us to reposition the portfolio, and we believe this should add value in the coming months and years. Historically, it's during these periods of volatility that we've added the most value. Since inception, there have been three periods when the Edgepoint Global Growth and Income Portfolio's fixed income holdings have declined by 4 to 7%. During each decline, the Canadian index outperformed. However, during the recovery, our fixed income holdings beat the index in all periods following the decline and over the long term. The commentary on our website shows a table where you can see these pleasing returns. Investors who are willing to withstand a few short months of volatility have been rewarded over the long term. Investing is all about assessing alternatives. Investors today are faced with daunting choices. They could change their tack given the uncertainty in this world and hide their money in the bank. But that's going to help them feel like they aren't taking any risk. Although it seems safe, earning close to zero will not help you achieve your financial goals and only serves to lock in a negative real return. Investors could continue to do what they've done in the past and buy something resembling the index. However, we think expectations need to be adjusted if this is your preferred route. Income production is far lower, and there may be fewer portfolio benefits. It also exposes you to interest rate risk. Alternatively, they could think about their fixed income allocation in a different way. They could look at the benefits attained by an active manager like Edgepoint, whose focus is on corporate bonds. Finding someone who has a proven skill set at navigating credit risk and taking advantage of volatility has added value over time. Again, it may not be the smoothest path, but it has historically created value and achieved the ultimate investing goal, compounding wealth over the long term. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. This is not an endorsement or recommendation of any security. Edgepoint Investment Group may be buying or selling positions in securities mentioned. No endorsement of any third parties or their advice, opinions, information, products, or services is expressly given or implied by Edgepoint Investment Group. This podcast contains certain statements that may be deemed forward-looking. Please note that any such statements are not guarantees of any future performance results, and the actual results or market developments may differ materially from these statements. The whole or any parts of this podcast may not be reproduced, copied, transmitted, or disclosed to third parties without the consent of Edgepoint Investment Group.